Hello and welcome to the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Kearley. Uh, thank you for joining me this evening or whenever it is that you are listening to this. Um, today's podcast is with guest Andrew Michael Akins, which um, he's actually releasing his newest album, most recent album, tomorrow. So it'd be uh, January 11th. It's called... Let the thief make honest work with his hands. Um, this is, I guess, his full, his first full-length album. We talk about it quite a bit in the podcast. Oh, sorry, I had to mess with my computer real quick. Um, but he's a lot of fun to talk to. Interesting guy. I've seen him uh, perform live. I feel like three times is what, but. Talked to him a bunch of times. Super nice guy. Um, he's one of the many musicians and artists in Amarillo who are working to make Amarillo a arts center, like a place um, that has more live music and offers more uh, outlets to um, musicians and artists alike. So, anyway, it was a super fun, um, fun conversation. I think we went. A little over an hour and a half, possibly, but it was all fun. It was a, a good, good time. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, today's episode of Panhandle Primate Podcast is brought to you by Liberty Steam Cleaning. Um, this is one of my buddies, Manny. He, uh, I work with him. He was also uh, one of the early, so earliest, maybe earliest supporters of the podcast. Uh, really, honestly, one of the first people that came up to me and said, hey, I listened and I'm liking it. A uh, lot very supportive from the beginning. Um, he owns a steam cleaning business. So uh, for all of your post-holiday cleanups, uh, possibly you have like a jerk uncle who walked all over your living room rug. Um, maybe your dog. You know, we've had quite a bit of snow in Amarillo. Maybe your dog got all muddy, mucked up your backyard, drug it all through the house, and you're just like looking around at your carpets and they, they're like just dingy or something. Um, also, this is another thing, is maybe you were on a road trip and little Susie, um, that's your figurative kid, maybe your dog, uh, messed all over the, the upholstery. He does that as well. So, um, Manny does carpet, he does upholstery, he does vehicles, um, he cleaned our carpets in our house before we moved in, uh, super nice guy, uh, free estimates, uh, check him out on Facebook at Liberty Steam Cleaning, or give him a call at 806-681-7633, check him out. Um, like I said, again, follow him on Facebook at Liberty Steam Cleaning or give him a call at 806-681-7633. Uh, seriously, it's like one of those things like you, um, you don't ever realize how dirty your carpets are until they're clean. Uh, and it makes a huge difference if you're a business, uh, if you're just in your house and you're just looking at your carpets on a regular basis, you need them cleaned. Um, and Manny's the man to do it. He'll give you a free estimate, like I said, um, and check him out. I mean, he's a—he was one of the early supporters of the podcast, 
And when he approached me about sponsoring an episode, I said, of course you can, because you're the man. He's the manny. Um, so check him out. And uh, if you support him uh, or if you uh, contact him, just let him know that you heard about it through the podcast. That lets him know um, that his ad dollars are getting used, um, are going to a good place. Um, so, you know, it's, it's sponsors like him that, you know, make this podcast where it can hopefully grow and do some other cool things. So I super, I'm super great, uh, grateful to him for that. And, uh, like I said, just check him out. I mean, we all know that our carpets can be a little bit cleaner and man is the man to do it. So, um, check him out. And, uh, so the next thing is my Patreon. So, uh, I'm actually like hammering through some of these, uh, through these, uh, announcements. So forgive me, but so Patreon as, uh, the Instagram viewers can see the hats are in, um, I got my hats in recently. I'll be posting a picture on my face or my Instagram here pretty soon of them. So, uh, they're for sale. If uh, anybody's interested, Patreon helped make this happen. So specifically, Taylor Rydell and Jesse Haranda. Harada. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. H-E-R-E-D-I-A. Harada. Harada. Anyway, they're actually friends. Uh Jesse heard about the podcast when Taylor was on, and Taylor was like my third guest. So both of these two dudes gave me some money through Patreon and they helped make the hats happen. I'm sending both of them uh, a hat uh, to show my thanks and my uh, gratitude. Uh, I've got uh, James Arredondo of Atlas Supplement Company threw me some money through Patreon, and so did uh, Socks. Uh, She's currently working at Pondicetta Brewery. Go check it out um, and leave her a big old tip if she's your waitress. So Patreon's just a good way of... uh, helping contribute a little bit of money to the show uh, to make some stuff happen. Like I said, hats. I'm hoping to do a run of t-shirts here in the very near future. Um, Also, we've been kicking around some different ideas about uh, maybe doing a live show again. Um, The first one we did, which was episode 25, was a lot of fun. Uh, So, you know, we're going to, we're kicking around that idea. We'll see, we'll see how it goes um, also, um, I'm doing the, uh, beat the primate competition on my website, which is, um, miles traveled is equal to 50 points. Um, a push up is worth a point. A sit up is worth a point. Uh, or no, I'm just jacking that up. So a push up is worth a point. An air squat is worth a point. A sit up is worth two points and a pull up is worth two points. Um, and the goal is to, it restarts every Monday and the goal is to, uh, occur enough points to where you beat me. Uh, really the main goal is the cookie party at the end of the month. So what I'm hoping to do is everybody that participates is going to be invited to a cookie party because, uh, while we're not, uh, awarding participation trophies, I do think if you participate, you deserve a cookie. So my wife's going to make up some cookies um, and we're going to make it an event, um, money received through the Patreon will go to, uh, helping make these events happen. And I'm hoping to do some more stuff like this and make it, 
uh, fun stuff for not only listeners of the podcast to get together, but just people who are interested in promoting uh, podcast culture in Amarillo, as well as just getting together, drinking some beers, and trying to have some good conversations. So that is where my Patreon, uh, the Patreon dollars that you hopefully give will be going. Um, I have the three tiers, of course, the dollar make me holler tier, the $5 buy me a beer tier, and then the $10 mythical creature tier, which uh, Jess and Taylor are both members of. They're both in the mythical creature tier. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I was thinking Minotaurs is what I called them last time, um, which that might be my favorite mythical creature. I'm not exactly sure. I should have done a little bit more research into mythical creatures um, before I sat down to do this episode, but uh, I'm trying to get this recorded real quick so that I can get this podcast out tonight, so I didn't uh, I didn't even think about it before I sat down, but next time maybe I'll think about that, do a little bit more research. So, uh, let's see here. So we've given Liberty Steam Cleaning a proper shout out. Um, Patreon uh, hats are in. Hit me up if you need. There's a few things to do in Amarillo. Um, a couple of things I was wanting to throw out. My wife and myself uh, with uh, one of my buddies uh, went to a dance class in downtown Amarillo at uh, dang, I can't remember what the dance studio is called. It's at uh, 10th and Polk, I believe is the cross streets. But anyway, it was a free dance class. We did some tango, Argentine tango lessons. It was a super good time. They haven't announced when the next class is going to be, but when they do, I'll announce it on the podcast. I think dancing is one of those things that the more people that are there, the more fun it is. I had a good time. My wife had a good time. We learned a couple of steps, kind of learned a little bit of the of a dance routine. It was a pretty good time. So I will definitely announce that on the podcast and through the podcast community whenever I uh, whenever I get the next date. But I wanted to go ahead and put that put that in your minds, put that in your uh, thought process to maybe uh, do it. It's definitely something that's not like dancing is not in my comfort zone. But it was really fun to do. It was good to step outside of my comfort zone um kind of move a little bit it was fun with the wife ladies love it so if you're a dude and you're hearing this right now take your lady dancing they enjoy it or uh, any anybody take anybody dancing i guess i shouldn't limit it you know uh, but the other thing that i want to announce is the shake hands amarello january tournament is happening the 12th so that's this coming weekend uh, Pizza Nomad's gonna be there. I believe St. Arnold's is the uh, beer sponsor this month. Um, the, this month is uh, all the proceeds with proceeds. I, everybody's bringing clothes to donate to the homeless in Amarillo. So it's a fundraiser. Uh, I I'm excited about I'm excited about every Shake Hands uh, event. The tournament ping pong is just a fun game to play everybody's welcome um it does fill up uh so if you're interested at all in uh playing ping pong or being part of a ping pong league um get on shake hands amarello on the facebook page the other thing that i was going to announce is the 16th so that's this this coming monday 
there's going to be a house show um, at 8 o'clock. The bands that are playing are Whole Milk and Courtship. Um, This is just a cool event happening in Amarillo. I'm not exactly sure. I can't tell by the Facebook post where the location is. But just get on Facebook and search Whole Milk and Courtship, and I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, these are always fun. The The group of people putting them on, Keegan Hollis is one of the guys putting it on, and they're always fun. It's a great way, uh, great thing to do in Amarillo, uh, bring some money to throw towards the bands, and uh, it's just a great time. So there's a lot of stuff happening in Amarillo, a lot of cool things to do. Uh, I'm excited uh about just the the general vibe uh but one of the things is if we can get more people doing more things um then it allows people more opportunities it allows people to start having ideas and start coming up with um new and exciting things like who would have ever thought uh that which if you haven't listened to the episode a few back with uh Jeff Wyrick listen to that he's the guy who uh, him and a few buddies all started just playing ping pong and they came up with the idea of Shake Hands Amarillo and uh, now it's it's a thing. It's a real fun thing. So uh, that was a few episodes back. You can listen to him. Uh, we talk about Shake Hands and everything but all this to say that the more that people go out to events in Amarillo, the more likely people can plan events and uh, the more creative people can get around doing things, you know. I mean, a lot of things like people might not know that they have as much fun playing ping pong until they actually get involved and play ping pong. So, check it out. Check all that out. Uh, again, before I go into into this first song, I want to give Liberty Steam Cleaning another shout out. My boy Manny, um, hit him up. Facebook, give him a phone call. Um, so going into this episode or into the interview, I want to play a song. Uh, I was originally introduced to the, to this band by my buddy Blake. Um, and I'm not a diehard fan or like an OG fan or anything like that of this band. I've really just started listening to them probably within the last month, but I'm really digging their sound. I'm really digging their music. Uh, the band is called green sky bluegrass. As you can imagine, slightly bluegrassy sounding um but they've got like an interesting uh, spin on it you know i really like it it sounds it's a it's like maybe new agey bluegrass it's really dope so the band is called green sky bluegrass the song is windshield and it's off their album if sorrows swim uh i hope you enjoy it get it uh check it out check them out i'll have a link down in my description to the band um and I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. As always, give me a follow on Instagram. Uh, I've got a Facebook group, Panhandle Primate Podcast. Hop over to my website. Check out the Beat the Primate tab. Um, the main goal of this, it's not really... It is a competition. Everything's a competition. That's the way that we get stronger and better. Um But really the goal is just to get everybody active and to show people you don't have to have a gym to get in shape. You can hit the streets, do some push-ups, do some sit-ups, do some air squats, do some pull-ups. And honestly, like right now, I'm feeling as strong as I ever have. And that's pretty much all I'm doing right now because I'm I'm trying to make sure I'm putting in some scores. So uh, this first month, January, is more of like a pilot month. 
I'm kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to format it and do this different stuff. But if you want to start trying and restarts every Monday, the rules are in that tab. Check it out. Um, uh, let's see here. Do I have anything else to announce? I can't think of anything. Hit me up. Uh, let me know what you think. Give a review on iTunes. Um, share the episode with somebody if you feel so inclined. Tell people about it. Um, hit me up if you're interested in a hat. Um, other than that, enjoy the episode. Andrew's a uh, fun dude, and I'm sure I'll have him on again in the future. Um, so until next time, everybody, enjoy the show. Everything is working properly Cause it's all inside And there's something on the windshield But I can't fucking see Besides no one volunteered to drive me Like hard times when a loved one died Or heartache in an empty home Forced to take the sleepless nights alone, alone, alone Someone better hide the children Nothing, things are getting out of hand And there's nothing for the woman left To take from a man All the stories of our parents are
So, you feeling pretty good, man? Mm -hmm. Feeling good? Yeah, All right. I'm feeling good. Cool, man. you ready to jump into this thing? Let's jump in. All right, I am here with Andrew Michael Akins. Have you always gone by three names? Um, well, yeah, for music purposes. Oh, for and, music well, purposes. And, you know, it just it kind of depends on who is addressing me. They may call me all three names. Uh, they may call me by my last name. That's pretty common. Oh, Akins, yeah. Uh, but... On the album, on anything that I put out, it's going to be Andrew Michael Akins. And now so, this is your second album? It's my second album. It's my first full-length album. Uh, listeners, if you all have listened before to my music, you may recall a couple of years ago, about two years and four months, I came out with a record called uh, Wilderness. And it was, uh, it was rough. It was, it, it was good. It was good. I played. I played one of the songs on the you podcast. Did. You I, did. I'm trying to remember which. It was the title track. The title track. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good, man. I dug it. I thought it was real good. Yeah. Now, why do you say that was rough? Is it just like a like a personal critique, or is it now you're listening for different stuff in the music, or or? I mean, it's just it? it's all of the above, you know. Um, I think if you're as an artist, if you're not looking back on your past art with some sort of critique, then that could be a red flag. Mm. We should all be growing as artists. Um, so I look back at Wilderness and I, you know, just from a standpoint of recording and mixing the music, uh, you know, it's not that I have a sour taste, it's just that I feel like what I'm making now is just so much better. Uh, it's like the, uh, it's yeah. like the ore before the refinery. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it and it gets refined and um, this this record it's called Let the Thief Make Honest Work with His Hands and I have been in control of it from beginning to end. There's been no middleman. It's only been me, and that kind of makes me feel a little more pride towards it in mm -hmm. a good way, you know. Um, and I just think that the writing lyrically is just. You know, I think Wilderness did a lot of uh, telling, like telling a story. Um, this next album, there's not as much telling, but there's a little more showing. Mm. It's like, I'm not saying the words straight up. You have to kind of like figure them out. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that is. Uh, I'm trying to remember who, who oh, it was, um, oh, damn, I'm going to go blank up. Chris Tully, Tully, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, from Nickel Creek. Uh, Man, he's good. Originally Nickel Creek. Now I guess he's uh, the brothers. What is it? The Punch Brothers. Punch Brothers. But yeah, yeah. he has this thing. It's badass, and I catch it every now and again. It's on NPR, uh, where he does like a like a show. Yeah. Almost like, and he has different people on. Yeah. But one of the things he was saying is that um, that uh, sometimes he'll have people come up to him and start like saying, "Hey, I love your music." This song really spoke to me. Yeah, and then they will commence to telling him what the song is about, or how they interpreted the song. Yeah, exactly. And he'll say, and he, you know, he always says that he doesn't ever correct them. He doesn't ever say, "Well, the song was actually about this," but he, he'll say, "Oh, thank you." You know, like I'm glad you got that, and blah yeah. blah. And they walk off. And he says, "It's interesting how many times other people read different things out of your music. They get they get a completely different story." And that's almost the point of music. I you think know? so, yeah. I think it's a lot of it is 
in the interpretation of who is listening, who's beholding the music. Uh, and I like that. I think, uh, I think from that standpoint, you know, I'm going to put forth a story that I believe in. I'm going to write, you know, lyrics that I think convey a certain point. But ultimately, I hope it connects to somebody some way, you know. Now, will it connect in the manner that I intended? I don't know. But if it's connecting, I think that's a win. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, what's the saying? Uh, no press or uh, bad press is still good press, you know. Like there's, there's like even even wow. if somebody reacts to something and they say, uh, "Man, I really didn't like it because of this, this, and this." It's mm-hmm. like at least you listened. Yeah. Like that's one of the things. Whenever people come up and they'll give me a critique about the <clears throat> podcast or something, or they'll say, you you know, whatever critique. I can take that two different ways. Mm-hmm. I can take that as okay, they don't like the product that I'm putting out. And they think I should do it different. Or I could say they listened to the product that I'm putting out. You know? Like since they have a critique, that's almost like a kudos. Like that's yeah. almost like a, uh, hey, you're paying attention. Or they're, they're at least paying attention you're enough hearing, yeah. to know what they don't like about it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool a cool thing. But hey, man, let's jump into uh, like a quick little introduction for people who don't know you. Yeah. Uh, just where you where you grew up up to uh this point yeah well uh it can be like brief it doesn't have yeah, to be no, like... no no <laughs> all right guys settle down yeah all right <laughs> fifth grade uh, i was uh so my name is andrew michael akins uh live here in amarillo texas i was born in nashville actually mm. uh, a lot of people don't know that and so you know i I spend, I don't spend a lot of time. I used to spend a lot of time wondering, what if I still lived in Nashville? But anyways, that's a Mm. whole other story. Um, I moved to Amarillo when I was nine months old. So I've been here forever. I'm I'm an Amarillo kid through and through. um, Well, uh, I grew up uh, around music. Uh, My mom sings, my dad sings and plays the piano. Go lay down. Sorry, the dog's in the room and she's being obnoxious. So <laughs> your, right. your dad sings and plays piano? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been around music and I started learning guitar and piano about fifth and sixth grade. Was this part of their relationship? Like, did, did they come together around music? Or, or was that like... No, uh, but we did. Uh, we used to actually sing like uh, worship songs and hymns in our, our front room, our music room when I was growing up and... Uh, my parents are no longer together, so that doesn't really happen, but I have good memories of that, you know, which is really cool. So, um, and then I... I and so what, what age did you say you picked up the guitar at? Uh, guitar in sixth grade, so about 12, piano about 11. Mm. And I, I took lessons for both, not very long. <laughs> I think I just didn't have the uh, the wherewithal to practice things that I didn't enjoy mm, playing. So, yeah. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I think uh, God blessed me with the ability to learn to hear. I have a really good ear for music. And so I taught myself piano and guitar by ear, which is kind of how I got into, like I started learning Coldplay songs on mm. the piano. And that's kind of how I got into playing music. Uh, and that just kind of continued, uh, 
And then I just kind of started the natural outflow of that was you hear something that is kind of your own original music, you know, and you play it and then you write lyrics to it and kind of songs followed and not very good ones. What age was this? Did you start, I uh, mean, middle school writing no. songs or is it high school? Or? High school for sure. I think I was a sophomore in high school when I wrote my first song or at least like part of a song. Uh, and I remember having a friend over and we would we would sing it. And he still, to this day, anytime he sees me, he reminds me of this song. I, I wish he didn't, <laughs> but he does. Uh, and from there, you know, I just kind of felt a passion for it and uh, recorded a demo album my senior year of high school and it was it was okay uh, and I played it I played at Palace Coffee a lot and for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what Palace Coffee is local coffee shop they used to have a location in Canyon well they still have that location they used to play live music in that back room yeah. which was awesome and so I got my start playing live music there. I went to a few open mics and then I opened for a guy and then I had shows that I headlined and uh, just kind of went from there. Uh, Did you feel like uh, that community was pretty receptive? Because, I mean, and uh, sometimes I'm afraid that there's like stigmas around words, but your sound does have like it definitely finds its home in the coffee shop like it, it definitely finds its home around yeah. that culture you know yeah. so did did you feel like a like a pretty quick like acceptance like response to yeah that? i actually did um <clears throat> they were i you know i maintained that when palace was having live music they had the best crowd of anyone in amarillo i mean it was mm. just uh, they were quiet, they were listening and receptive of your music, and they seemed to engage. And that was my, my favorite thing, you know. When, uh, one year I played a show around Christmas time, and, you know, I packed out about 70, 80 people, and I don't remember anyone just, like, talking over me, you know. They all sat and they all listened, uh, which is just, I mean, that's great. I've, and, you know, I've played venues since, and there's not really been a place like that where they're just totally engaged. Mm -hmm. You know, I played Golden Light back in uh, November. Uh, I opened for a guy named uh, Jacob McCoy, um, and I just remember thinking, like, this venue is so loud, and people won't shut up, you know? It's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know... I'm not trying to be uh, a curmudgeon or anything. Uh, I think that people, you know, people should have a good time. If you're at Golden Light, have a good time. You yeah. Know? But it's just, it's a different beast. It is a different beast, man. And uh, I was actually talking with a couple of people at the Golden Light. We were just talking about how nobody's anybody in Amarillo. And that was one of the things, I guess, uh, some chick played the uh, 806. Yeah. I, I don't know who she was, but she's L.A. based. Oh, she wow. comes through Amarillo, plays 806. People are talking on their phones. People aren't even paying attention. Yeah. Nobody. And then she heads back out west, and she's selling out 300, you know, person yeah. venues. I mean, she's actually a thing. She's yeah. a she's a you know a big time musician or whatever. And not in Amarillo, you yeah. know, it's kind of like one of those things you have to like grab the crowd. 
and pull them pull them away from what they're there to do, which is yeah. not really pay attention to anything. I, I kind of imagine sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I've also seen like some great crowds in Amarillo. Like there's been several times, like especially at like the Tecla House. Yeah. It seems like those crowds are typically pretty engaged. But... Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Tecla House is. I mean, that's to me, that's like the future of Amarillo music culture. Um, And I think part of what, you know, part of what you're saying, I think Amarillo is not used to having, to having talent that is like extraordinary, I guess, if that makes any sense. We've had some great, oh my gosh, we've had some great musicians come out of Amarillo. Ryan Colwell, Zach Wilkerson, mm-hmm. you know, Jacob McCoy moved to Nashville. He's doing pretty good. Um, and there's more, you know, there's more on top of that. Uh, Hayden Pedigo, shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, Amarillo's been stuck in a, art, like a perpetual artistic mediocrity. Um, and, and what I mean by that is not that we have mediocre musicians. Don't get me wrong. What I mean is that the systems in Amarillo, the musical system, is it's set up in such a way that musicians cannot nurture and grow their sound. They can't grow their art here. Um, and so that's why people like Ryan Colwell and Zach Wilkerson and Jacob McCoy, they've all moved away. So what what do you think some of those hurdles are? I think some of the hurdles are uh, the people of Amarillo, first and foremost, need to understand that if Amarillo is going to be a place of art and culture, that we can't treat our local musicians casually. Mm. And what I mean by this is like Amarillo has a small town feel. So people hear my name. They automatically know who I am. Oh, he's that kid from, you know, whatever, Mm. whatever. But because they know who I am, they treat my art casually. They don't, they don't give it a chance. Not, I'm not saying everyone does that, but that's definitely a, you know, it's definitely a thing. What's the proverbial, uh, there's never a prophet in his hometown or whatever. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta leave to become, it's from, it's from the Bible, you know, uh, Christ goes back to Nazareth and everyone in Nazareth is like, we knew this kid when he was growing up, like, you know, helping his father in carpentry. Well, what is, how is he doing miracles now? You know, that type of thing. And so he says, you know, a prophet is never accepted in his hometown. That's what it is. Accepted in his hometown. Accepted. And so, uh, I think Amarillo kind of has that. Uh, not everyone. Again, I'm overgeneralizing, but I think Amarillo has that uh, almost familiar. Like it's almost you're too familiar with the person producing the art to really see it as um, an endeavor. Yeah, more so than just a hobby. Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, and so I think we need to stop treating art casually uh, and start like really jumping in and really trying to encourage and nurture our songwriters and, and, you know, other artists, not Mm -hmm. just songwriters, you know, videographers, actors, actresses, that type of stuff, you know, it goes 
it goes all over the place. Hmm. Um, but I think there's more. There's more. Uh, I think we lack a venue that allows artists to expand. Um, and what I mean by that is, once you're selling out shows at the Golden Light, what's up from there, right? Like, where do you go? Yeah, you almost have, like it's like there's a, a gap between selling out Tecla or selling out Golden Light mm-hmm. and Azteca Music Hall. Yeah, like exactly. there's like a huge gap of huge. you know where, and that that's one thing that I think is super cool. Whenever you say that about. Um, like developing, so like one of my sections down here, yeah, was Amarillo's the pros and the cons to being a musician in Amarillo, yeah. And one of the pros that I like instantly popped out to me is Tecla House, yeah, Gunner's House, Keegan's House, right? Yeah. You have all of these places where people are literally saying, "Come in, mm-hmm. we'll give you a stage mm-hmm. in our home." Yeah. You know, it's it's like a, it's almost like a, a a more intentional like. So whenever you're saying you know we need a place to nurture and grow and and develop musicians mm-hmm. and see like Palace too like Palace the back room at Palace you know was that it was a place for people like hey you're scared to get up on stage you're nervous whatever come in like hop up here you know no one's gonna yeah. no one's gonna throw a like rotten fruit at you or whatever yeah. And, so it is, but it is kind of interesting. You're right. Like there is like a slight, there is definitely a gap right there to where you, it's almost like you can get this big in Amarillo, but beyond that, you're going to have to move off. You're going to have to, and that, that's one of the things that bothers me is like, you know, part of having a, a strong cultural scene is having like mentors Yeah, and you can't have any mentors if they always have to move off to Dallas or Nashville or it's hard they to. have to, they have to seek a larger market. Or yeah. something. It's definitely it's definitely hard to have any mentors in that regard. And uh you know, I know a few guys who have been in the music business, uh, who are older than me, who actually live in Amarillo, but like they didn't really have like a full blown career. It was more like songwriting or whatever. And uh yeah, I mean all the guys that I would trust to mentor me with a full-blown music career they're all they're all moved away so uh yeah i definitely definitely think i i think we're on the way up you know i don't, I don't want listeners to think like oh man like it really sucks for art uh, one of the reasons i'm putting out this album you know not just because i believe in the message behind it but i want to see amarillo produce more art and I'm I'm personally not planning on moving away I think we're just at the point where it's like we could like really explode as a scene of art um, and I think a place like Tecla House and Gunner's House and Keegan's House and uh, I think those are all excellent places to start because you're right they're like here's my home play music and we're going to invite everyone for the purpose of hearing your music you know golden light is first and foremost a bar oh yeah before it's a venue you know you have guys that are going there to get laid before they're going to hear your music well to try <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> to, try to try to get, to get laid. laid so but yeah i mean 
so we need more venues that's like we want just we want people to come here so that they can hear your music mm-hmm. uh, also one thing that I've seen we have a problem with is uh, development of other genres um, again you think about the bar scene it's very friendly to especially here it's friendly to country music mm-hmm. anything that is derivative of country music um, and normally country music that is not really listened to it's more just enjoyed but it's a feeling it's yeah. a uh, it's a nostalgic undertone mm-hmm. type and well and they don't listen to the lyrics it's just kind of like it's all for like the dancing and the feeling you get uh, one thing that palace did so well when they had that back room is so many people of different genres, especially like indie and folk, mm-hmm. popped up out of nowhere. And they had a place where they could play their music and grow. And back in those days, you know, there was me, there was Tanya and San Allison, Jamin McCaffrey, Jacob McCoy, like all these songwriters that were writing folk music, you know, totally different. And they had a place where they could grow their art, where they could, where people could hear their name, hear their songs, that type of stuff. You need, you need a show, to really develop yourself as a performer. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can, you can do a certain amount of creative work, uh, under the guise of hey, I'm just being creative and I'm wanting to create something cool. Yeah. But really, to hone yourself as a performer, you have to be performing. Yes. You have to be out there. Yes. Um, Yes, I totally agree. And I feel very blessed to have been a part of when, you know, Palace was doing music that I played shows, heck, probably every three or four months, five months. I play a lot there. Um, And that was some of the most like formative years Mm. of my life, you know, leading up to Wilderness. Even after Wilderness, I was playing shows and, uh, that really helped me discover my niche in my songwriting, you know? And that, I think that's what it does the most, playing live, is like it allows you to discover your sound, what you want to sound like, different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw that in Tanyan. I saw that in Jacob and Jamin. Uh, Tanyan's still in Amarillo, but everyone else is gone. And, uh but that's one thing I really miss and I would like to see is like a place where not just country music is played, but also a place that is big enough where, you know, once you're selling out Golden Light, you can go to a bigger place. And Man, it's not a huge Did dump. you ever see the Nat back in the day? I did. Whenever it was I've a heard, venue? I've heard. So that was the perfect size venue for like it was a perfect in our step up from golden light to yeah. like you know it had a pretty big stage it had a pretty big floor for yeah. a lot of people um granted i love what it is right now i mean it's it's badass to go walk around and see all those antiques yeah and, it's pretty cool um i i can't remember the name of the chick who runs that um because she also has that other place right down on sixth street mm-hmm. uh not important. She's done a great job with it. Yeah. And and I was really happy to see somebody come in and like really rescue the building and resurrect the building and make it usable again. But I just like yeah. 
Oh, it almost breaks my heart every time I walk through there because it's like, damn, this is a perfect venue, man. It's a perfect size. I know. It's a perfect location. The size is a good, you know, the or the stage is a good size. And so it just makes me super sad anytime I like walk through that place because it's like, damn, this thing could be perfect. You yeah, know? it really could. But it is interesting because we do have, we do have like the perfect dive bar scene. Yeah. For a band that's just wanting to jam out some songs and get drunk, you know, yeah, yeah. but it is difficult to, to take that next step and, and really prep, like really pack them in. But so, so how do you see or imagine the future of like the music scene in Amarillo? Like, do you see it going more of like a, uh, of like a Tecla internet based, uh, model or, or do you see hopefully like a, a larger venue like the Nat opening up or something like that? Or like which direction? Yeah. Well, hopefully both. So I think it starts with Tecla House. And, and that's why, you know, I've been talking with the Ritters a lot uh, who, you know, they own that house. And uh, I really want to partner with them. Of course, it's uh, January right now, so it's hard to have shows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, warmer months, I want to partner with them. I want to offer my time to pull off these shows. And their yard is big enough, you know, you could do 150 people back there. You think so? I think so. Because I how, think... How many people do you think were at the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ron Colwell. Colwell, yeah. I, I think Colwell had probably about, like, from 60 to 80 around there. Dude, that was busy, so man. That was, was busy. That was pretty... And it was pretty packed, but there was still room. Like, there was still... There's still plenty of room, in That's my true. opinion. Yeah, there's still room. Um, and, you know, if you have an act big enough, you can make it standing room. That's mm-hmm. where it gets insane. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the immediate future is, like, let's invest in these house venues. Uh, let's commit together finding people to play. And that's something that I could do better is, like, finding musicians to come and to play music. Uh, well, you know they're coming through Amarillo. Mm-hmm. You know, there's tons of great acts that, oh, yeah. that drive through Amarillo and don't stop. Yeah. You know, there's not a place for them to play or something, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I've wondered, like, with uh, with an inter- with the internet being what it is and, yeah. like, YouTube being what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, Austin City Limits, the, the series. Yeah. And they'd have big bands playing to a small crowd and it creates a cool atmosphere because like those bands whenever they start playing to such large crowds all the time they and i don't know i you know this is all guessing speculation but you lose a little bit of that intimacy Mm -hmm. of you know seeing the guy pick his nose in the front row or you know like (laughs) uh, you know seeing somebody taking a nap you know or something who knows whatever but actually like seeing different people's personalities definitely you know come out yeah and so like that that's what i like i get such a which granted the tech house just has a great feel in general and i mean like the the cicadas singing like dude it was just like there's so many different time different shows different uh, times that we were there that the cicadas would start singing like right at sunset yeah. and the music's playing, the lights are kicking in, the, you know, the fade, it's like the ambiance is just yeah. perfect, you know? Yeah. Well, it definitely has like a very distinct feeling to it, a very distinct like, uh, aesthetic. And I like that. Uh, and I really do, I really do think like for Amarillo, 
like house concerts are the future. Mm. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of that down like in Austin and San Antonio. And, uh, and so I, I think from there, you know, we start there. And maybe in the future we think about, okay, what does it look like to actually have like a full-size venue in Amarillo? And that's actually one of my goals. You know, you talk about the future of Amarillo music. That's something that I would like to be, you know, almost like a spearhead of. Because I think one of the other barriers is musicians, musicians don't know how to start to get their material like recorded and produced. Mm. Uh, so there are these guys from Round Rock called Flourish, and they're actually partnered with a church down there. Um, but what they do is they run a professional studio nonprofit, hmm. which is insane, right? Unheard of, you know, almost all studios are going to charge an arm and a leg, you know. So they have like the cost of the gear and one dude's salary, like taken care of. And then they fundraise a lot of money too. Uh, that And then they, you know, they donate a lot of money too. It's crazy, but... Um, totally non-profit and they charge like I think it's like $250 for one song and we're talking complete recording mixing mastering all that stuff producing uh, I love that idea personally I w and I would love to in Amarillo open a studio that doubles as a venue mm so that we can do both and, or maybe I open them separately. I don't know, but I want to be able to mitigate those barriers, give musicians a place where they can play and also give musicians a place where they can get their material recorded and get it out. And I personally feel very, uh, very passionate about like the recording side of things. Cause you know, I just recorded that whole album on my own and I mixed it on my own, mastered it on my own. It's a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time and research. And I think that can intimidate a lot of people. It intimidates me still. Well, and it's it's a different it's a different mindset. Yeah. Like most musicians are not engineer um minded. No, you know, they're, they're not. you know, it's more of like I want to do something because it feels good and it's mm. and it sounds good and it's fun. And then it's like, okay, well you're about to do something that's not fun. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And most of the time it probably doesn't sound good cuz you're yeah. trying to dial it into sounding good. Exactly. No, you're you're completely right. Uh, and I truly believe that sometimes it can just start with one song, you know. Uh, get a musician recorded with one song and see what happens, you know? Let them experience, let them taste what it's like to get in a studio, record their music, work with a producer like me or whoever, you know, work with other musicians. And you know what? Some people will get in that situation and they'll be like, you know, maybe this isn't for me. But you know, if they're like, if they're like me, when I got in that situation, I was like, I love this so freaking much. How much more can I do? Mm -hmm. Like, when's the next 
time I can do this. Yeah, it, it's interesting, man, because I think it it's a, almost like a what crucible isn't the right word, but it's like it's like that next step. You know, like Mm -hmm. performing is the next step for an artist. Mm -hmm. And then once you get into performing, the next step is recording. Yes. And, you know, it's like there's these different progressions to to becoming a (sighs) full-fledged product, maybe. You know, like to to make sure you're a uh, Mm well-rounded thing that people want to consume. Yeah. You know, like a, like a, like a full on dish, you know, like mm. you got to have your meats, you got to have your grains, you know, you got to yeah, have everything yeah. like melded to together, you know, you got to maybe a little lime goes over the top to tie everything together. Or something, yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, so I want to, I want to partner with, you know, Jacob and Bahari out at Tekla house. And I want to help them. And I also want, you know, I'm asking the question, what does it look like to get a studio started in Amarillo that is like a low barrier of entry, you know, money speaking, that anyone can basically come in and do? Well, I, so I was seeing the other day, like uh, Animal Kingdom. Yeah. They put up like $60 an hour or something Which like is that. not bad, uh, but, but it's still like, well, and maybe I'm just speaking pessimistically because i know how much time i spent on my album and it's like it goes pretty quick you know yeah and honestly like 60 dollars an hour that's pretty cheap yeah you know it really is when you when you think about it uh but you know i'm thinking even less than that you know mm. like non-profit where you know there's not really any money left over yeah <laughs> you know so, and, you know, I, I need to learn more about it. I need to talk with those guys down in Round Rock, those Flourish guys. But And and that's not to say I don't appreciate the work that Animal Kingdom's doing. I think they're doing good work. Uh, and I think they're definitely a good studio if you're looking to start with, you know. Well, and I, I think, to me, this is... This is the thing that Amarillo's lacked for a long time is options. Mm-hmm. There needs to be... The more options, the more the better. Because Definitely. the more competitive each each uh, studio will be with other studios, and then also you'll have certain artists that are saying, "No, I want the I want the premier, the top of the line experience. I want to yeah. walk in and there's coffee brewed and there's cookies and there's a fucking bananas and stuff or whatever, <laughs> you know, something yeah. like I want to be treated like a princess yeah. or something like that. So you. Like, there's room for everything. There's room for the tippy-top, whatever that is. Yeah. But there's also room for everything in between. And I think the more options, the better. But yeah. it all comes down to an outlet. There has to be There has to be something. You, you might build all this pressure up. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to build all this pressure up developing all these artists. And then there's nowhere for them to play. There's nowhere for, there for them to engage the community, you know? So yeah. it, it is like, it's a, it's a interesting, it's an interesting issue. And it's funny that it's not, uh, and I don't know, maybe it is, but it's not talked about on like a government level, yeah. you know, like there's not uh, which I mean, hopefully with Hayden Pedigo, 
probably getting elected to city council. <laughs> Which is I'm, insane. Yeah, I'm, I've <laughs> definitely got my fingers crossed on that. <laughs> so it might start. But, you know, it is one of those things. Like, to me, it is a very large economic loss mm-hmm. to have all of these artists that are producing good quality music yeah. leaving Amarillo. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a it's a economic, it's a it's a social, it's an economic, and it's just uh just a travesty, you know? It's yeah. It it's something that is holding Amarillo back and and when we keep losing these young people, mm-hmm. is like all we're gonna be left with is either the boring young people or the old people that failed and had to come back or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know? Well, it's not even just musicians. I mean, uh, I mean, you just had Cole Holloway. Yeah. On. And Cole, you know, he's my best friend. And so I, I saw him, like, milk everything he could in animation in Amarillo. And he just ran out of options. Just completely ran out. And he had to go to a place like Los Angeles mm-hmm. to, you know get more out of it uh, and I, I really do pray that that does not happen with music for myself or really for anyone you know some people it's it's better if they get out and get away but for me and you know I'm not like crossing my fingers hoping that I have like you know a huge career or that I'm famous or anything I just want to make music and I want to help other people make music you know, and I want to discover those people who are like not known, but they write songs and they don't know mm. how to start. You know, mm. like that was me. I didn't know how to start, and I want to help them start. I want to help them get going. Mm. Uh, well, even like opening yeah. the door that you can write songs. Like, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of people um, who they they feel like they're slotted into a certain like. Uh, cast yeah. or a certain personality in high school or early life and they're it's like no I'm not a musician you know that's how I was for a lot a lot of my life is I I didn't play instruments and I didn't do anything and mm-hmm. I had friends that played instruments I had friends that sang I had friends that were the performers yeah you know I'm not the performer I'm not the you know yeah and it, it's or even like uh drawing or all these different things. It's like, oh, well, I'm not good at that. Yeah. It's like, well, how long have you tried? Yeah. You know, how long, how, how much effort have you put into uh, writing an actual poem? Yeah. Most people say, well, I'm not poetic. Yeah. It's like, have you tried being poetic? Like, have you tried for multiple weeks on end to be poetic? You yeah. know, something. Uh, it's like a muscle you have to exercise. You know. It is. Yeah. So. And there's a lot that goes into developing that. Uh, and again, like. I feel very blessed that I was able to develop that, you know, in like just playing at Palace and uh, being around a lot of good songwriters and musicians. And uh, I feel like that is, you know, it's lacking in some ways now, but I'm hoping that moving forward, we can not recreate it, but have something like that where it's like, man, you write songs, come open for me. See what you think, you know. Play in front of people. It's not going to be easy. You're going to be nervous, but, you know, hone your sound. Right. Hone your craft. Do you think it's interesting that, like, uh, with Bandcamp and with all of these different opportunities mm-hmm. to get your music out, like, 
really to everybody. Like, yeah. uh, like even with like podcasts or like there's all this, there's not really very many walls in between me and people, but it does seem like there is a, uh, there is some sort of like actual physical barrier, mm-hmm. you know, that even like cyberspace can't, can't transcend, you know, it's kind of oh, a yeah. weird deal. Yeah. Well, a lot of it is just like, it's, it's learning to be confident in your own art. And sometimes that takes failure. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I've written a lot, you know, for every good song I've written, I've written a terrible song, written a crappy song, mm. you know? Uh, so that, I mean, part of that is failure. Part of that is like, Hey, I'm going to play this song for my brother. You know, my brother is an excellent writer, you know, and I'll sing him a song and he's like, those lyrics are cheesy, man. You know, like having somebody like that who can really challenge you. Yeah. Who can really like challenge your perception. Um, Even like listen. Well, and I have different people for this, but like listen to your music, what you're playing and be like, dude, this sounds way too much like this musician Mm -hmm. you should try and like change it up um so in a sense like i want to be that for people for musicians who want to start you know um and really help hone the craft hone the sound uh and i think the more that happens the more you're challenged the more confident you become in your art you know in your music and that's been the the case in my life you know uh, even like, you know, I think it can, it can be discouraging or it can make you go back and like rework things, you know, change and become better. You know, the whole, the whole idea is that it sharpens you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, there's never, there's never really a failure Yeah. ever because even when you don't hit the mark, you're getting closer to learning how to hit the mark mm-hmm. every time. So yeah. it's like. Uh, that's one of the things I've, you know, I try writing, I, I do a little bit of writing and my wife will edit it. Yeah. And it's funny because when you get something back that's edited like by an actual critical eye who expects mm-hmm. better from you, Yeah. you could either, you can either say, wow, damn that, that, uh, page and a half was all shit. <laughs> and you can say, well, I must not be a writer. Yeah, I must or not you, be any good. Or you could just say, man, I wrote a shitty page and a half, you know, like mm-hmm. that happens everywhere. Yeah. You know, Hemingway had shitty pages and page and a half, yeah. you know, like yeah. all the greats, uh, you, you only get to see the paintings that They're a amazing. painter decided to show you, exactly. you know, you don't get yeah. to see the painting where they like fucked up the nose or like mm-hmm. missed the ear size or something, you know, yeah. like they're only going to show you what is like great and perfect and mm-hmm. everything and like refined, you know, like, yeah. and that's, I think that's one of the hard things with the social media world that we're currently living in is we see this refined vision of a person and we imagine that that is the actual image of that person or the actual production of that person. Yeah. Yeah. You hear, you hear somebody playing guitar and you only hear when they're on and they're practiced Mm -hmm. and they're, they're playing well. You don't ever hear whenever they're sitting there like hitting wrong notes and, you know, fretting out and shit, you know, you only hear like the perfect things. Yeah. So it's like, it's like Instagram syndrome, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, people only see like the perfect photo, you know, on Instagram, like you post 
what you want, what only you want people to see. You know, you don't post like the bad photos or anything like that. Uh, to me, that's just it's not the whole picture. But I mean, like art is the same way. Like I'm not gonna release the bad songs that I wrote. Yeah. You know? Um, but a lot of it is like just writing and then learning what is good and what is not good, but also learning what you should sound like. Cause I think, I think every musician will fit into their own like niche eventually mm. with what they sound like, you know? And for me, I had to write and perform to understand this is how I, this is the sound that I want. This is the sound that's best for my voice for my style of writing, for my style, you know, how I think about music, that type of stuff. Yeah, like so. the the biggest, like, writer's block is trying to sound like somebody else. Oh, man. You know, because you never, you know, or like even sometimes, uh, I imagine with like writing a song or something, you'll hear a song and you'll hear somebody that just put together a perfectly written song yeah. and you'll think, well, shit, he did it. I can't do it now because he wrote the perfect song, or, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Which it, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting the different hurdles that pop up, you know, oh, like man. that. There's all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I love the album that I've just made, but you know, I, you know, I'll listen to like Sturgill Simpson or something and I'm like, God. This is not even close, you know. It's like, oh man, yeah. But you know, Sturgill Simpson has been writing for twenty years. You know, he's been doing it for twenty years. Mm -hmm. Gregory Allen Isakov, you know, I'm a big fan of that guy. You know, he just came out with a record in uh, October, and he was like, yeah, I chose from like sixty songs. I'm like, dude, God, sixty songs, sixty <laughs> songs, and you know, the album's like thirteen songs. You're like, golly. You know, he's been writing yeah. for 25 years. He's got experience under his belt. Yeah. And the big thing is, like, just get experience under your belt, you know? Uh, and the more experience you have, the more you'll find, like, what you should sound like. And the more songs will just, they'll happen for better or worse. They'll happen. Some of them will be great. Some of them will not be so great. You just have to write. have to hone it. Uh, and again, like, I think writing for a lot of people is not necessarily the issue. It's just like the development past that, the development. Uh, and so I'm hoping that Amarillo can be a place where development happens for mm. musicians, playing live shows, recording their music, that type of stuff. Uh, and, you know, I've kind of been around that now. I'm still young. I still have a long ways to go in that regard but I'm I'm around it I'm kind of around it you know so I'm hoping to help with that oh yeah hey you want to get some more coffee yeah let's All get right, more pause pause for a second so is that kind of like where you've been released or like putting a lot of your stuff up is on Bandcamp yeah um I mean I I love Bandcamp because you know uh it's truly the only platform where an artist can keep like 100% of his pure profit mm. and not have to like pay for it, you know? Because mm -hmm. uh, like I also use like a distributing service to get my music up on Spotify and Apple Music and 
uh, heck, Google Play. I don't know if anyone uses Google Play, but it's uh, it's on there. So yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, I have to pay like a yearly fee mm-hmm. to keep my music up there. So Bandcamp is great because it's like here you can have your own artist page. Down, like download as much music as you want on our site and then people can come pay for your music they can download it in high quality format which if you're an audiophile is awesome mm-hmm. uh, and they can listen to it I've got a friend a uh, really good friend his name's Daniel and he loves Bandcamp and that's actually how he discovers like a good 50% of his music mm. is on Bandcamp. It so. blew my mind, man, because I was looking at your album um, on it this morning, listening to it and stuff, and I get down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just scrolling down to you know, get to the bottom page, and there's like, here's f- six other bands, and then here's another one, and here, you know, and it has yeah. all this, and it's just like, damn, dude, it's a spider web. You know, mm-hmm. like you get started, and who knows where you're... Where, uh, where you will end up exactly. and who you're listening to. That's the yeah. other thing. You might be listening to like a, a freaking bank clerk or, you know, or a, yeah. a elementary school teacher, but you look at them, you know, like, oh, that's a dang rock star right here. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're, you know, but it's, it's all in how they're producing and, and creating like this. Exactly. Stuff. So yeah. let's say like, I got a couple more questions on the creative process. Yeah. Which you were already kind of talking on. So, We'll finish it up. Sure. Um, so whenever you're writing, does the music come first or do the lyrics come first? <laughs> you know, I get this question more often than you think. Uh, honestly, uh, it's both. I mean, well, let me, let me rephrase that. Sometimes the music comes first. Sometimes the lyrics come first. Uh, and it really just depends on what my mood is. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm in a very like provoked mood, not like, not like upset or angry, but I'm just like extremely thought driven, you know, almost always I will write lyrics because the natural outflow of my emotions, uh, the natural outflow of my like bad emotions, <laughs> or like when I'm provoked, like to thought, is lyrics. So I'll just sit down and I will write. And I won't necessarily think about form at that moment. Sometimes, but like I'll just write and whatever comes out, comes out. And then I'll come back to it later and see if music will fit to Mm. it. I did that about, you know, I did that to a song recently about this girl, you know, who kind of, I mean, this was like years ago, but she like kind of broke my heart and I was looking at it retro, you know, retrospectively, you know, kind of thinking on like, why did that hurt so much? Well, I had put too much of my hope in her, you know, so I wrote a song, well, I wrote lyrics about it, you know, because I was provoked to thought. Mm. And then I came back and put music to it. But, you know, if I'm in like a... uh, like a creative mood or I'd been listening to a lot of lyrics or not lyrics, a lot of music. Sometimes I'll write the music first or I'll hear something in my head just randomly. And I'm like, I've got to get that like down, you know? Um, and then occasionally both will happen at the same time, Mm. you know? And I think that's like, 
that's like bliss for a musician. <laughs> it's like yeah. when you sit down and I mean, just like all of the lyrics and all of the music come back, uh, come out at the same time. And I think those are the songs that musicians normally say like, yeah, I sat down and wrote that in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you're just in such a good harmony of creativity that it just all comes at once. You know, I've had a few songs like that. So. Nice. So next question, do you try to force it or do you always just try to let it flow? You know, um, yes and no. <laughs> I think I'm more keen to just let it flow. Uh, I've never been one to force, but I think sometimes it's a good exercise to force. Um, not in a bad way. And I don't think you should make a habit out of forcing it necessarily. Um, but you can't always wait for the, you can't always wait for the flow. Right. You, really, you really just can't. Uh, so sometimes you have a good thought and you're like, man, you know, this is a good thought, but I don't know where to go from here. Sometimes you just have to like, just write and fill it up. And then, I mean, I'm always rewriting songs too, mm. is the thing. So once I like finish a song, I'm gonna like meditate on those lyrics for at like a long time, months at a time. And I'll make little changes here and there. You know, sometimes I'll change a whole phrase. Mm. Um, so I think sometimes you do force just to get something there, but it lets you like complete your thought, you know? Yeah, one of the ways I kind of think of it is uh, like a, a basketball player mm -hmm. is, is doing their three-point shot. And they have, okay, you have the option of you're done with practice, you go home. Or you stay after and you shoot an extra 100. Yeah. Well, you might see him in a game and it's the buzzer and he they throw him the ball and he catches yeah. it. He's not thinking. He's in the flow at that point. Yeah. And he just drains it. Boom, yeah. walks away. And it's like... Well, luckily, he forced it all these other times to where whenever it matters and whenever it's time to perform, he can flow it's just second nature, with it. Yeah. Then he can, you yeah. know. So, um, so one of the things that I appreciate about art and yeah. particularly about like a honed artist is that they start uh, striving for deeper meaning in things. Mm -hmm. So they start, um, e and sometimes to their fault, they start imagining <laughs> deeper meanings in yeah. things, you know? But um, so like in life and art, have you like noticed that this uh, has, do, do you notice like a, an overflow, a lapping over uh, into your like normal life where you start uh, feeling more meaningful or like maybe like you know a hippie would refer to it as like a heart opening exercise or some <laughs> shit like that you know I mean yeah in in a lot of ways yes I mean it's like you know I think there are a couple ways that writers can write and for me primarily I'm reflecting on past experiences but sometimes that like mode of thinking can spill over into my uh, my own just everyday life and I can not necessarily overanalyze, but like you're saying, like pull a deeper meaning from something. Uh, <clears throat> I, I see that a lot in like, um, just like my relationships with people, 
uh, and you learn to kind of like you learn to think that way you learn to kind of uh, you learn to uh, I don't know what the wording is you learn to kind of like compartmentalize see, maybe? well or? you learn to kind of like uh, see more deeply into everything mm. see more emotionally maybe maybe the word is like you learn to discern mm. what's going on more I don't know mm. if that makes any sense yeah that makes sense um, and I really think it's a it's almost a divine thing because to me it's like God is speaking to me through these songs that I write because they just kind of come out sometimes, you know. Um, and a lot of time, I really do believe that like music and art speaks identity over certain things, you know. So are, you know, you listen to a song that is all about like doing drugs and like, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, that's the identity that you're being spoken over, you know, mm. like that's what you're, that's what you're training your heart to enjoy, to love. Mm. Uh, and I think, I think personally that's a problem. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, regardless, uh, I also, well, I also think that's why rap has kind of taken a weird turn where it's like you have these rappers who are still rapping about drugs and women. And then you have these other rappers who are like almost like taking a step back and looking at the whole thing and being like, dude, we're screwed. You know, like kind of like Drake, you know, he did that with one album and Kendrick Lamar did that with like, damn, he's like Mm -hmm. stepping back and he's like, really, you know, I'm not sure that this is the best way to go. You know? So, um, Sorry, that's a total tangent, but uh, but yeah, I, I do learn to kind of like see it deeper meaning and like discern and uh, see, kind of see things differently, see things almost like I naturally sometimes the when it, when it spills over into my life, you know, you kind of look three layers deep at everything, you know, uh, and I think some people are gifted with that, you know, some people are, uh, gifted with like, they, you know, they don't look deeply at everything, but they're just so good at getting along with everyone, you know, um, they meet them at that level Mm. or like some people, they're really good at just getting deep with somebody, you know, maybe not everybody, but they're good at getting deep with somebody. And I think that's more the camp that I fall into. It's like when I'm friends with somebody, I naturally just, I want to go like deep, Mm. you know, I want to see more deeply into what's going on with them, with myself, et cetera. Nice. So I think, yeah, in some ways my art, my ways of looking at past experiences and I'm analyzing this, you know, five levels deep or whatever. Uh, I'm just throwing a number in there, but uh, I think that does translate to my life relationships, especially friendships that I have with people. You know, I'm naturally going to think that way. I'm naturally going to look at like five layers deep. I'm naturally going to think 
all the way down to their heart, what they're, you know, what they love, that type of stuff. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. At one point you said in there, it's like sometimes the truth will uh, not be what you want to hear if mm. you're looking deep. Yeah. And it, it's always kind of funny to me, like, uh, you know, you got to be careful on the when you act, knock on the door of yeah. truth and you got to make sure you're ready for it to open. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of times whenever whatever stand on the other side is not what you want to hear. It's what you have to hear. And yep. it's uh, oftentimes a very painful process. But yeah. So um, let's see. So what helps you? What like what is there anything that helps put you into a creative space? Uh, well, I think it's a lot of it is just listening and reading more creative things as well. Mm. So, I mean, life will do it. Anything, you know, relationships with people will do it. Certain situations, you know, like, um, if you're going through a hard time, I think that naturally puts me in a more creative space because like, if I'm going through a hard time, my thoughts are going nat to naturally be provoked, you know, to provoke to a manner of like, I've got to like pour something out, you know, because mm. my emotions are this high. Uh, listeners, I'm, I'm, I'm holding my hand up to say like, you yeah, know, dead. my emotions are like, they're filled to the brim, you know, so I've got to, I've got to pour something out. I've got to find an outlet. Um, I also think like location is big too. Uh, and I, I don't know, some people may fight me on this, but I really do think that like, uh, I'm a, I'm an avid hiker, backpacker, and I think those trips like inspire me, you know, uh, for better or worse. Well, really for better. <laughs> uh, cause you know, you go to like the mountains and to me, nature sings its own song and it makes you, it makes you feel a certain way. It gives you a space. It gives you a space to think. You know, it also gives you a space to like bond with people because, mm. you know, I'm camping with my friends and there's nowhere for me to go to escape. You know, I'm with them. I'm in community with them that entire weekend. And that's a for better or worse. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like hiking and, and camping and being in the outdoors is never a, a for worse. It's always for better in my mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. But sometimes whenever you're uh, with people yeah. in those environments you start like realizing, man, this guy is an asshole. I didn't even realize it, you know, <laughs> well, or like this guy is needy as hell or, yeah. uh, or this person didn't even bring a jacket. It's yeah. Fun. It's like 30 degrees and they didn't even bring a jacket. You know, exactly. you learn a yeah. lot about, uh, it's, a, it's like a, uh, I wouldn't say a standard. It's like something like a, it's like a ruler, you know, it's something mm -hmm. that you can be measured against yeah. that always exists in itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think it's important to get out sometimes. Uh, sometimes for writers, it's good to get to a place where you're just like, you're inspired. I don't know if that makes any sense. For me, you know, it's in my room this time of the day. It's about 11 a.m. listeners right now. Uh, this time of day where the sun is like bright and I'll turn the lights off in my room and I'll open the blinds and just let that natural light in. And that just kind of like, I don't know, it inspires me. It mm. makes me think. Uh, sometimes a cup of coffee is good, you know. If, I, if I'm writing lyrics, coffee is usually where I go. If I'm writing music, 
get me a glass of whiskey because that helps me like I don't know that helps me think musically better but uh, yeah I think uh, sometimes there's a lot of things that help with creativity and uh, I you know the list is endless you know you could sometimes it's good to get with people be creative you know but generally speaking what helps me be creative is location and you know what's going on with my life you know uh, if I'm in a season that is hard or an experience that's indelible you know that typically provokes my thought more mm. so yeah it's kind of funny I was thinking I definitely have that feeling you're talking about mornings mornings with the light coming in and you yeah. know, you're just kind of chilling by yourself and you're doing your own thing and yeah um but you know one of the strange spots that I've always like had pop up uh in in I guess my adult it's only been in my adult life but it's like uh the the empty-ish dive bar okay. you know like whenever whenever you're gonna go out to have a few drinks with some with a buddy and you maybe get there a little early uh, or something, hmm. and and there's like you know two or three different groups. Maybe yeah. there's a couple dudes at the at the bar. There's a couple dudes playing pool. There's yeah. you know a, a little congregation of people sitting around one table. You get your beer and then you go sit by yourself mm -hmm. in this like. So it's kind of strange because it's almost like the uh, the the contradiction between being in a social spot. Yeah. But there's not really anything social going on. It's yeah. kind of a weird, huh. you know, like a I've not thought of that before. But I really like like that's, you know, or like an empty church or like yeah. all these things where it's like there's supposed to be all these there's supposed to be something here. But yeah. right now I'm here and there's nothing. Yeah. You know, or something like it's like a uh, for some reason I've always like and you know in those moments I get like kind of uh po not poetic but like literary I, i'm like mm. thinking of all these stories and i'm thinking i'm trying to like and then they're almost always shit you know so <laughs> then, you know no i'm coming to fruition but i do get that feeling there you know yeah. like in that environment yeah. another thing is like for me running okay. you know like yeah. getting out and actually like um and i i feel like it's it's similar like when you were saying hiking and, and getting out in nature it's yeah. like having something that humbles you Oh, yeah. That puts you yeah. back into the spot where you realize, oh, I'm just a little bag of meat mm. walking around, breathing air, you know, yeah. like something that, that reminds you you ain't shit mm -hmm. uh, really puts me in a, like a creative mindset and almost like yeah. makes me want to be more than my, more than I am, you know, like it, it uh, make, it's like makes me feel inferior yeah. while letting me know that there's hope of being more than than you know yeah than no, the inferiority all right let's hop into uh we'll do we'll run through fairly quickly um okay. uh talking about your uh your new album yeah so it is titled <clears throat> let the thief make honest work with his hands yes. where does the name come from <laughs> yeah i know it's a long name isn't it for an album mm. uh it actually comes from a Bible verse, mm. uh, Ephesians four twenty eight, and in context, the writer Paul, he's talking about the new life in Christ, and the new life is supposed to be markedly different from the old life. So he makes this distinction. Now let the thief make honest work with his hands. Let him no longer steal, but let him labor 
so that he has something to give to people in need. I love that verse. Um, you know, I really think it's inspiring to all people. Uh, and for me, it, it, to me, it hit, it struck a chord in my life for the metaphor, the analogy that I was using in that like, uh, well, in the album's a lot about like my, my father and growing up, but for me, like, uh, that was the change in my life. Now, I wasn't like a thief per se, but like uh, I lived my life like a thief. You know, I was looking to gain for myself. Mm. And then when, when it changed was like, this is the new life. This is the marked, the marked difference is that I can now make honest work with my hands. So that's where the title oh, came from. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay. All right. That's cool. <laughs> Um, so you produced, arranged, wrote, engineered, mixed, and mastered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, a lot of those words don't mean anything to me yeah. necessarily, you know, like, yeah. cause I don't understand like the, the depth of it, but how much of that was like a labor of love or is it like you were saying earlier, just something that you love doing? Like, is it just a passion and, and, you know, like loving every minute of it or something? Yeah. Well, I think it, most of it was like, it was passion and I just loved doing it, but there were definitely days I think, uh, mixing and mastering, especially like you, you have those days where it's like my ears are tired I'm not convinced that what I'm hearing is actually good. Oh, shit. Yeah. And Ouch. so, yeah. Uh, so in those days, it's definitely like a labor of love. Uh, but, you know, I think when you're in the creative process, you know, you talk about like producing and arranging and writing. Uh, that is all. I mean, that's probably always going to be passionate for me because I just love arranging and I love writing and I love like man let's like put so many instruments in the song you know mm -hmm. like let's layer it you know I love stuff like that so. how do you push through whenever you're like <clears throat> like this might be shit how do you push through <laughs> uh I you know I think you just have to take a step back uh for me during that during this album you know I would I would give my ears a break I would smoke a cigarette Roll, roll a cigarette and smoke it and just sit there and listen to like the ambient noise outside and just kind of think and then I would come back to it um, and really you just have to like trust in what you feel behind the music for me it was like I really believe in this you know this album because of what it's saying and I also believe with how it sounds you just kind of, I mean, you just have to take a step back before you can push through, I think. Man, I've had, so I'm in a, I'm a, I'm in a band. Now. Okay. So it's uh, Bardo Bill and the Muchachos. Heck yeah. We had our first band, our first show the other night. What? And yeah, I was just at my buddy Chris's and I was honestly, I didn't really hype it or anything because I was yeah. kind of nervous. Yeah. I, I never thought I was going to perform in front of anybody ever. Sure. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I've played guitar off and on. I mean, I've gone like long periods of time of never even picking it up you yeah, know and yeah so i was real nervous about it and uh anyway so we're going into like the uh the rehearsal process mm -hmm. 
and I'm trying to learn these songs, some of the songs I'd never heard before, and we're about to be playing them, you know? And so I set up my mic, and I was just recording as we were practicing. And there were several times where I'm listening back to the recording of us practicing, and I'm like, ah, no, no, I can't do it. I I mean, it's like, it's scary. But then, and what's super strange, and you think that a recording and noise would be um, unchanging. Yeah. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. It's not like a picture where you put in different light, but it almost does. Yeah. Because then I've listened back. Like, I'll listen, let's say, to a 10-minute section of a practice. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crap. We're not going anywhere. Um, I'm not even sure I'm hitting the right notes, <laughs> right? And then, and then I'll listen back to that same 10-minute section. Like you were saying, after a break, after I like cleanse my brain or whatever, I don't exactly yeah. know. And you come back and you listen to it and you're like, man, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Like it's so weird to me yeah. that sounds can change, exactly. you know, that your yeah. ears can hear something differently. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and it, it blew my mind, you know, it was kind of one of those things like, <clears throat> I wonder sometimes with the ease at which we have to record ourselves mm-hmm. and to, to be critical of ourselves and yeah. to like analyze ourselves. That sometimes maybe we jump the gun. Yeah. Maybe maybe we are a little bit more critical of ourselves oh, than is necessary, or that even exists. You know, yeah. maybe I'm not even hearing the same noise that somebody else listening to the same thing would be hearing. It's yeah. kind of like a weird deal. No, it's I definitely agree. So like you know, Wilderness that first EP that I came out with, I you know I have mixed feelings about it. You know. Uh, to me, it doesn't sound all that great, but I still have people who tell me they love it. You know, still have people who are listening to songs on that EP, and it's just like you're always your worst critic. Mm. You know, uh, and sometimes when you're really trying to get a piece of art out, you have to take a step back and be like, Do I believe in what I'm putting out? You know, do I believe in what I'm saying? Because ultimately, as a songwriter, like, the most important thing is what you're saying. Right. You know? And that's when I, that's what really helped me kind of break through when it was like, man, I've had a long day of mixing. I don't know if this sounds any good, you know? The take that I had on this one song was not that great, you know? You have to take a step back and be like, okay, what am I really doing this for, you know? I'm doing this so that other people can be helped, you know. I'm doing this so that other people can listen to this music and find hope, you know. It's like, man, once it moves beyond yourself, Mm. then it really is easier to come back to because you're not doing it just for yourself. I mean, in a way you are, but like, you're not. And it's interesting too, like whenever it's like you have this concept of perfect. Mm-hmm. that doesn't e- exist. No, like, it literally, it's made up in your head. Like, yeah. it doesn't exist anywhere because your definition of perfection is going to be different than somebody else's definition of perfection. For sure. So yeah. it, it is kind of an interesting thing. And I think, you know, like, as you were saying that, that's what I was thinking is like, man, that's why the audience is so important because they will tell you things that you don't know and that yeah. you can't know. So, like, for instance... You suck, you know? (laughs) Hey, that's a good, like, that's good information from an audience. Or, hey, you're really good, right? 
the two of those things are something that you you need an external yeah. uh, gauge because your internal gauge will never be proper because uh, you might be trying to imitate somebody else. Yeah. So your imitation of them is off, mm-hmm. but your production of yourself is perfect. Yeah. Right. Because you know, or something like that. So yeah. it, it's kind of an interesting, uh, and and that's another. Uh, aspect of it is like do you run into that whenever you're like recording or like recording and producing you're doing all this work on your own thing do you ever like stop and wonder like man maybe maybe i can't be me or maybe i can't be me without other people you know um in some ways yeah it's kind of like well doing it all myself was definitely it was a long process and it was kind of like would I benefit from, well, you know, you're right. Like, could I, can I do this by myself? Do I need other people, other people's help? Do I need, like, can I only write songs and, you know, everyone else arranges and produces and whatnot? Uh, and for me, like, it just, like, uh, the more, well, again, I had to step back and, like, think, why am I doing this? And then come back to it. And I did have help from other musicians. But like every creative decision, direction, you know, was made by me. And I think it ultimately boiled down to like my passion for this album. And for the message. And I had I had an idea of what I wanted it to sound like, you know. And I, I just, at that point, it's like. I don't know that bringing more people in on this is going to help, you know, Mm. uh, I've, you know, I've, I've got friends who have made albums and the more people they let in on it, the less it became their work, Mm. you know, and I'm not saying don't work with other people. I think, you know, like there's one song that Ben Braidfoot just owned, you know, he just completely owned with his guitar tone. You know, he played a solo in there. Like, the list goes which song? on. Grown Up. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, which I knew, I knew you had told me that Ben had played and mm-hmm. had, had or was one of the, and I, he's in the uh, acknowledgments on your, on your, uh, yeah. on your band camp. Yeah. And whenever I did, I heard the section that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's dope, dude. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, as soon as you hear it, it's kind of like, okay, he, um, definitely heard that song properly Mm -hmm. like he was he was playing into that song perfectly yeah but the musician has to be in step with your vision as an artist and one thing that ben is so good at is you know in the studio we'll be playing something uh it's like this could go one of two ways and he always deferred to me he was never like well i think it should be this and you know put his foot down you know Ben is a professional, and he said, it's your music. You know, you take it the way that you want to take it. He was just there to help and support. And I am so thankful for that because uh, to have a musician like that, you know, not just friendship-wise. I mean, Ben's one of my best friends. But to have somebody like that that you can work with and play music with, that is I mean, it's invaluable. Yeah, know? the humility that I yeah, mean, that it takes. Absolutely, to... he's not like, oh, you know, 
he's not trying to color the song with his own performance. He's trying to fit into the color of my mm. sound. Big difference. There is a big difference in that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, why music is such a strange beast. Like, mm. whenever you say the art community, like, yeah. there's all these different lanes, you know? Like, you might have an illustrator, like Brittany, who did your, uh, did your the cover work, art. Yeah. She did my, my podcast. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> my uh, podcast cover art. Yeah. yeah. She's a uh, great artist. But, you know, you, have, you might have somebody like that who is working primarily by themselves, yeah. primarily from their own vision and for their own vision and seeing, mm-hmm. like, something on the page and then, you know, putting it there. Whereas music is such a it's such an idea yeah it's so much more based in like it, it doesn't have this the firm grasp of a of a physical representation that yeah. doesn't change you know it is yeah. kind of a moving object you know so it is kind of an interesting uh, art in general is a weird you know is a weird thing yeah but is. music is its own is its own beast and then working with other musicians like you said is uh it's tricky you know like mm-hmm. Maybe they're a little harder or playing a little harder or a little bit more aggressive. And it's yeah. like, this isn't really an aggressive piece or yeah, something, you know? Yeah. You got to have to like, and and then and then trying to dial in an emotion mm-hmm. from something that is inanimate. Yeah, in exactly. Lot, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. So um, let's see. Let's see. Devel- so like... This album, you kind of spoke a little bit to it, wanting to have a particular sound. Mm-hmm. How do you go about developing like a sound for like a, an overall work? Well, I think it starts with you have to analyze the songs that you have and you have to pull like emotive words for it. Like, mm. uh, so a lot of times when I'm making a record, I will take each song and in the liner notes, for when I'm recording, it's like, what do I want this song to sound like? Well, I want this song to sound hopeful or dark or like mysterious. I didn't, I didn't put mysterious for any of my songs, but like, you know, um, dark, desperate. You, you use these descriptive words, emotive words to, you know, or full uh, that's a good word, like full. You can do that musically. You can make something sound full, you know. So you kind of do that, and then as a producer, you think, okay, how do I make this sound dark? Well, let's throw in this really like weird sounding baritone guitar and a five string bass, and that makes it sound super dark, you know. Um, the arrangement has a lot to do with that as well. So it's like, oh, I want this song to sound full. Let's have the drums in the entire time, you know. Let's have uh, five guitars. That's way too many. But, like, you know, that type of thinking. Mm. And you can kind of spur on from there the producing and the arranging. And those words help you cast vision, which is what a producer does. He's casting vision for the work. This is where we're going with it, you know. Uh, and so you, I mean, that's the main thing. You look at your, you look at your song, you kind of think what emotions are being pulled from this song. Sometimes you write colors as well, like color mm. the sound, and then you go from there. Nice. Mm-hmm. Dope, dude. All right. So 
We're at, uh, we'll be over an hour and a half by the time this is said and done. So I got a couple more questions and then we will end. So how, like, how do you define success? Success. Um, now this can be musically, personally, um, on the large macro scale, on the yeah. small micro scale, anywhere in there. Just how do you define success? Um... I think success is a lot more how are you helping and impacting and loving the people around you. I think it's, I I really don't think it's much about yourself, you know. I don't think it's anything to do with personal benchmarks, which can be good. You know, I'm not saying they're bad. I don't think it's anything to do with like, I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, run and be a CEO of a company, you know, I think it, it's everything to do. How are you impacting the people around you? How are you helping your friends, your family, people younger, people older, everyone around you? Are you helping them grow? Are you helping them as people to become better people from a, I mean, like I'm a Christian. So from a religious standpoint from the standpoint of like Christ it's like how am I helping people love Jesus more you know how am I loving Jesus so for me how am I impacting those around me Ooh, and how are you defining Jesus so when you say like when you're you know like how am I loving Jesus more mm-hmm. that's very dependent upon your definition of who Jesus is, or Definitely. who Jesus, you know, so you can, you can take the, all these different, like, baby Jesus in a manger, yeah. or like the corporate Jesus, like the Joel Steen, yeah. let's make a bunch of money and fly jets, yeah. you know, like, there's yeah. all these different, you know, so it yeah. is interesting when you say that, because like, I think, you know, growing up religious, sometimes I brushed over that statement, Yeah, like, how are you I loving Jesus, you know, yeah. but it's like, whenever, whenever you stop and think like, okay, how did Jesus define himself? Mm -hmm. And then, well, you know, uh, the least among you, that's Mm -hmm. how you love me, right? You know, Mm -hmm. like you love me by, so it's like, if you're loving Jesus, are you loving the ones, the outcasts, the The marginalized, the ones being killed, you know? So interesting, man. That's a good one. Uh, Another image that popped in my head when you were saying that was like, imagining you have a light bulb mm-hmm. and it, there's no power to it. Yeah. But there's all this lightning up in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to light this room. So we have to have some, a lightning rod we can stick up to the sky to bring the power into the light bulb yeah. for the room, you know? Yeah. You have to have somebody willing to, willing to get shocked, you know, like willing mm-hmm. to stick up and not for the benefit of themselves, but for more for the benefit of the room, of yeah. the light in the room, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a crazy... It's crazy to think that like uh, the difference between misery and happiness is a slight decision, you know. Mm-hmm. Is a it's a posture of like putting yeah. yourself, you know, in a in a servant role yeah. or in a served role, yeah. you know. So it's interesting. Yeah, I think the more the more you care about yourself, not and I'm not saying don't care about yourself. I'm saying the more that you live your life in pursuit of yourself of your own happiness, I think the opposite happens. Mm-hmm. I think you become more miserable. And I've lived my life 
a lot of the time in pursuit of my own happiness, you know, to make myself top king, you know, to make myself God, if you want to put it that way. I wanted my own control of things. And when you kind of release that and you're like, well, you start to look outward. You say, well, I want to help others. I think when you stop caring about your own happiness and you start caring about others, you actually become happy. Mm. You know, it's kind of a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost uh, counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a very Taoist in in the sense like uh, you hold on to something by not gripping it tighter, but by holding it looser. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Cool, man. So, plugs, album, where do people find you? Okay. Well, uh, as of the day of recording, it will be released tomorrow. So, I guess when this is out, it will be released. Yeah. Um, well, I might get it today. I might oh, get it well, out today. Shoot. Okay. But by the time most people are hearing this, <laughs> okay. It will be. So, you can. Uh, It'll be on Spotify, it'll be on Apple Music, Google Play, Amazon, YouTube, wherever you listen to music. I'm going to assume most people are using Spotify or Apple Music. So you can stream it there. Um, You can go to my Bandcamp and buy a physical CD. Heck, you can Venmo me if you want. Uh, and buy a CD. They're about $7. You know, I'm going to have physical copies and, uh, pretty soon I'll have a website up. Uh, I don't know when, uh, I'm not a firm believer in social media. So you actually can't find me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm not on there. Yeah. I noticed that. Um, <laughs> you noticed that. Well, that's typically whenever I'm like preparing for, uh, interview. Yeah. Like I, I try to stalk the person in as many uh, venues as I can. Yeah. So it's like I go to their Instagram, I'll go to their Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'll type them into Google. Like I just kind of like look and like just so like, like where is this person? You know. Yeah. And it was like interest. It was interesting because it like I was like I, I think most people, most things I keep up with are through Instagram. Yeah. And people posting and you know like yeah. the. The algorithm or whatever pops people up, you yeah, know. Yeah. But so it was interesting whenever I made that realization because at first I was like, "Do I not follow him on Instagram? Like that's kind of like a weird deal." Like I've known this dude for a while. Yeah, no, we've talked about and stuff, a lot of stuff. And, and then it was like, yeah. "Oh, he's not on Instagram. Yeah. That's crazy." So Bandcamp is wherever I ended up. Yeah, finding. Yeah. Uh, I think that was one of the first things that popped up. Well, and Bandcamp's cool. You know, I I just for me right now. Social media is not, it's just not good for my life, you know, and, and call me crazy. You know, it's like, well, how do you promote an album? And I'm just like, well, I didn't make this album to be famous. You know, I made it to hopefully, you know, reach out to people. But anyhow, that's neither here nor there. You, there will be a website for me soon. I'm on Twitter. Some, you can follow me on Twitter my handle is Andrew M. Akins, A-K-I-N-S. Um, you can follow me there if you want. Uh, every once in a while, I'll do things. Or one one way to stay engaged is just to follow my Spotify profile, you know? Mm. Uh, follow my artist account. And uh, when I release music or update shows, it'll have it on there. Oh, you know? good. Yeah. Um, yes. Which is cool because if you follow me, you actually get a notification if I'm playing a show near you. Nice. So uh, it's pretty nifty. 
Um, yeah. Do you have any shows lined up? You got anything on the books or planned? Uh, not right now. Um, I've just been so focused on like getting it done and the creative aspect. I haven't really been focusing on uh, <laughs> on uh, booking gigs. I need to. So hopefully in the spring, uh, you know, I'll get back with Tecla House, maybe Gunner. Maybe Golden Light, try and do a few shows. Nice stuff, yeah. dude. All yeah. Right. Well, cool. And I'll uh, try to throw, I've been trying to throw like in my pre show intro, I'll like throw out like if some stuff's coming up or stuff people are playing or whatever. Yeah. You know, just trying to, trying to get, because this is the thing, man, is one of the things when we're talking about how do like we propel Amarillo to becoming a better place for musicians and artists, it's like, I want to, I almost think developing like a horde. That's what I was thinking is like developing a certain, like a sizable group of people that are just going to show up for whatever, you know, like just kind of like you were saying with Palace, like Palace had a group, a show, like a a audience that just shows up. Yeah. It doesn't even matter who's playing really. It's like, Hey, we're just going to show up because we believe in live music in this area and we want to support more people and, you know, try to bring more people in. So uh, I definitely think, and I haven't quite figured out how to do this because I like I'm I'm with you on the social media. I think the promise of social media connecting us is is a lie. Oh, absolutely. Like I don't yeah. think that it necessarily makes people more engaged. If anything, the digital revolution has actually made people a lot more flaky. Absolutely, it's made people yeah. less uh, committed and oh, less man. likely to show up and more likely to cancel within you know like oh yeah i'll be there i'll be there i'll be there you know or something like it it almost it contributes in some strange way i haven't quite figured it out you know and um but so i don't think it's a social media is the answer so i'm not exactly sure what the answer is yet Mm -hmm. but you know hopefully hopefully we can uh some we here at the Panhandle Primate Podcast can help to spur a little bit more uh, activity in, yeah. in the arts. So, uh, for what that's for what that counts for. Yeah. So, um, all right, man. So you got a song to close us out with? Yeah. Um, y'all want to hear my favorite song on the album, "Grown Up." Y'all want to listen to that one? Yeah, yeah. We can do that one. Growing, okay. growing up is grown it? up. Grown up. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was called Growing or Grown. Okay. Grown Up. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. And this this drops tomorrow. It drops tomorrow. Cool, man. So are you doing like a party? You got like a party going or Well, anything? I had a listening party that a few people were at. And uh, that was like a couple weeks ago. But I don't have anything planned like to throw for this, you know. Um yeah, maybe a nice know. cigar and a and a glass of whiskey. I might do that. That sounds nice. pretty nice. Nice. So. <laughs> right on, man. All right. Well, everybody, this is Grown Up off of uh, Andrew's upcoming album. Um, check it out. Click links in the uh, description below. It will take you to where you need to be. Um, and uh, thank you for thank you for coming on the show. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I love talking about. Amarillo with yeah, you. Yeah, so. that's the thing, man. That's it's the place to be, man. People need to people need to realize like you don't invest in something after it's there, right? That's right. You don't move to Nashville now. 
Yeah. You moved to Nashville 25 years ago. You moved to Austin 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where Amarillo is. Yeah. Amarillo is in the investment stage. It it's is. where you can you can dig your heels in, get your hands into the gold for cheap at that's the moment. Right. So, all right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, peace. That's the sound of stories untold The wind blows them east And they never grow old You hear that boy That's the sound of a train It carries the world on its shoulders Like a man carries his pain Someday you'll be grown up like me And you'll know what's good The good rain makes good harvest For the places we You see that sun That's the carpenter's table He works with his hands He was born in a stable You see that boy That's the place of the skull A good, good man He died there The poor he makes full Someday he'll be Good men, they raise good sons to stand where he Dragging my feet Wounded by the enemy I'm dragging my feet Wounded by the enemy Someday you'll be Grown up like me You'll know what's good
But I don't know what good is anymore Don't stand where I stood